Look, rates are up, but housing starts and mortgage applications would be down regardless. John Curry, CEO of Satanta, the premier land development capital group in the whole wider world, and one of my favorite humans in the lending space, joins me to talk about land and building in the current market. I'm Dalton Elliott. This is The Real Estate of Things. You're listening to The Real Estate of Things podcast. John Curry, my favorite Scotsman this side of the Mississippi. How are you doing today, my friend? <laughs> you know, as a, as Billy Conley said, Scottish people are just Irish people who thought, yeah, Ireland's cold and wet, but I'm sure there's somewhere that's colder and wetter. So I'm, <laughs> Ad- I'm, I'm doing good. Adversity builds character. So these, these are good things. These are good things. And also, since you were last on the podcast, um, you've you've grown out this wonderful beast and uh, it was in protest of rate hikes and all else that's going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but yeah, I, I, around the time in May when uh, Chair Powell announced the first rate hikes and everybody freaked out, I started growing this. And then when he announced the second rate hikes and everyone freaked out even more, I was like, all right, I'm just committed to keeping this as long as, uh, as long as people are going to be insane about the market, I'll be insane about my facial hair. Can I get your commitment that you're going to keep it until we have rates come down and just keep growing this beast out, whether that's six months or six years? You you have you have my commitment, but people close to me may stage an intervention, so I can't make any promises. Understood, understood. We have uh, a lot of interested parties here, uh, so that makes complete sense. So, John, for those of you who don't know John, uh, John Curry is the CEO of Satanta, a really land development financing group based in Charlotte. And you all uh, really cover uh, quite a niche in this space. You do a lot of things that uh, most lenders just don't have an appetite for. You have an iron stomach and you have, like we talked about in the last episode, just a a very different viewpoint of land development and land lending on that compared to kind of the, the common sentiment that's out there. Yeah, I think we're, you know, we, we came from a development background, myself and my partner, Rob Davenport, and we, you know, created our platform to address what was missing and, you know, sort of take what we understood about what we believe the, the actual risk to be. And, you know, I think when we spoke last, we were expecting um, more competition. We were expecting more people to sort of come into this space as people realize that, you know, the most important thing for getting that new home, whether it's for sale or for rent, uh, you need the land underneath it. Um, and yet, since we last spoke, I would imagine that our number of competitors have have shrunk or at least stayed stayed stable. We've not yet seen an influx of capital, so I guess my my podcast didn't convince uh, too many people that you know land was not as risky as they thought. The third time will be the charm. We have a couple episodes with you coming up, so we'll uh, we'll look to change sentiment there. But but yeah, it's been it's been a little squirrely the last few weeks. You had capital pulling back in a lot of parts of the space, uh, like you and I were catching up before this episode, and some newer entrants uh, and just have decided to pull back a little bit. And let's let's start off with kind of a broad picture, right? You're uh, one thing you and I chatted about. Is that you know, regardless of the Fed, and you think that housing starts and mortgage applications would be down now, either way, right? Yeah, certainly. You know, it's and and I think you know for for this, and I may repeat it again um, uh, when we next speak is 
you know, understand I'm going to be giving what looks to be a very bullish outlook. And yet I have a, probably a more pessimistic outlook on the underlying baseline numbers, starts, home sales, times in the market, et cetera, than, than most. However, I try my best to understand what's happening sort of behind that or what's causing it. Um, as I like to sort of say with, with my team and with our investors is, I may come across as an optimist. I'm a pessimist who's gone through all the options. Like that's if if I'm if I'm if I'm standing in front of you, it's because I've I've gone through all of the worst case scenarios, and this is why I still am uncomfortable with what we're doing. And I think you know, at a very high level, the reason why um, I wanted to sort of uh, chat about where the the market is is because we as an industry do ourselves a big disservice. We just sort of play into these narratives of housing being boom and bust, and nobody knows. You know, what exactly is going to you know happen and and you know land is a mystery and you know all, all of these things when reality is you know i'm not I'm not the smartest guy in this space and I'm not the the smartest guy in my in my office but what I try to do is is listen to what people tell us so when the public builders have earnings calls in January and February and in April and May and we've just started the the the, the latest ones now. And in those earnings calls, they tell us that their biggest concern is keeping the cost of the materials in line so that they can deliver homes at the at prices that make sense for them. And when they're announcing huge margins, which we'll probably touch on, um, and when they're saying that because of cost uncertainty, that they are going to start metering their sales so that they're going to deliberately hold back. And they're saying this well before anybody is talking about a half point or three quarters of a point of a rate hike then we should be able to be grown up and say, okay, starts are going to be down. Home sales are going to be down. If there's less homes for sale, both in the resale and the new market, applications for mortgages by definition will have to be somewhat down. And then the other part of it is we're comparing it to 2021, which is one of the most insane years in housing that we've ever had. So so when you know, I'm looking at things happening perhaps a little bit worse than we anticipated. And yet people acting as if somehow, you know, home uh, sales were supposed to always go upwards and, and there was never supposed to be any return to normal. It can be quite frustrating. Yeah, that's interesting. So as you look at one of the issues in trying to read the tea leaves right now over the next 6, 12, 18 months is that I feel like, uh, you know, and you have more experience than I do. Uh, right in this space. I've, I've seven years here. Uh, but it feels like we have way more variables shifting at a much more rapid pace uh, than any time in, in the recent past. Right. And so whenever you say, you know, just generally the housing outlook tied up with you know, the, the big R word going around recession, um, what, you know, this time around, like you said, housing is not um, a systemic issue, an underlying problem like it was in the uh, 08 crash where that was that was the bedrock issue. Um, so is is this pullback on the builder side, spacing out cells? Uh, yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing as we look to the medium term for housing? So it's a, it's a complicated issue, but it, it really comes down to like it's it's a bad it's a bad thing for housing affordability. Uh, housing affordability has never been worse, and we're not 
we're we're not a serious people. We're not serious about addressing that because if we were, we would actually be able to have common sense conversations about what is necessary to make housing affordable. And we can again, we can touch on that sort of later. But let's let's talk about what a recession you know would do. Um, I know I, I said I said uh, uh, it that should not be named. Um, but you know, if 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 there is that, or even just with the fear of it and the tightening up, well, what do we think that that will lead to? Well. The hope is that it will curb inflation. And the other part of it is, and this is again a, a necessary evil, um, it will make more people um, available for work. Um, if you talk to most home builders and land developers, their two biggest concerns is cost of materials and cost of labor. Um, so if that makes those things better, then it would be foolish to think that that by definition, is going to deal with the underlying demand issue. Now, why we talk about where demand is, you know, is and why using 2021 is a very poor benchmark, you know, it's sort of important to understand that, you know, where we're, you know, what we're looking to achieve is sort of a return to normal where homes get built to be, to meet the underlying demand. In 2021, 2020 and 2021, you know, you were looking at new homes coming on the market and 15 to 20 people um, going for each home. Uh, traffic at unbelievable levels, both in person and you know, off the charts when it comes to web traffic. Now, you know, people are reporting that there's five to six for every one home. Well, I'll let you in on a secret. You only need two people per, for each home to be feel good. And really, you only need one. So, you know, we've a long ways to come, but the other part of it is that, you know, that demand isn't going anywhere. It may get delayed. It may get put off. You may see sort of people, you know, slowing down their household formations, but we still have a huge demographic push that has to make its way through the system. And I think a good uh, bellwether for what we believe is going to happen is to just ask your friends and family and talk to people, you know, and see who right now in this market where all of the headlines with mortgage rates are unbelievably high, who's still buying a house? And you'll be surprised to find that people are still buying a house because the underlying demand is so high. So what we would like to think that is if costs become under control, if labor costs come under control and rates you know, ease or people at least get used to them, that will return to, to normal. And again, normal for us sort of 2018, 2019 numbers. And I think, you know, using that as a baseline will, will surprise people as to where the housing market currently is. Do, do you think, or rather, what do you think the risk is of kind of this normalization causing a, a spook and a snapback, right? It, it being looked at as a precipitous drop-off as opposed to just the true normalization that it is. Do you think there's any chance for a spiral, Oh, no, absolutely. But the thing is, we're already seeing it. Uh, we've already seen capital withdraw. Capital has withdrawn in our space, in your space, in, in all, all spaces. There's a lot of capital that's now sitting on the sidelines. And again, that's why we as an industry just do a very poor job of explaining what is actually happening. And, you know, there's, there's always the risk of the spiral. But the interesting part is, um, I made this comment over the weekend, the, the darn home buyers just refuse to play ball. You know, like in March and April of 2020, everybody was convinced, of course, housing is about to fall off the, the cliff. And then people were driving from New York to buy homes in Myrtle Beach, sight unseen. 
Um, right now, of course, housing is about to take a hit. Mortgage rates have doubled. The Fed is indicating there's more price hikes to come. How, home starts are down. We have more homes under construction than any time uh, in history, which is a point I, I do want to come back to. Um, and yet, if you were to look um, last week, uh, Nate from your office uh, shared this, um, purchase applications were up 5% last week. Um, refis, understandably, uh, have tanked, but mortgage applications for purchase, for new homes and for home purchases are up. So there is a risk of a spiral. However, that's we're lucky that the demand is so high, even though that's a, a symptom of a failing market, that demand is that high. But we're lucky it is so high so that it can actually quickly address and arrest, you know, uh, false narratives from taking hold. Yeah, very fair. And I, I, I'm a homeowner, but have been poking around looking the last few months. And we, you know, had our eye on one place in April, didn't pull the trigger, went on vacation and got distracted. Shows you how serious we are about it. Uh, <laughs> and then started looking at uh, some other stuff the last few, really the last week. And just had a, uh, you know, running a mortgage calc looking at, you know, April versus July. And it just makes you sick to your stomach. You're like, ah, I mean, you know, I wish I would have been a little more um, hairpin trigger back in April, but um, yeah, just the the underlying underlying uh, health seems to be there. Well, as as you know, I, I I am aiming to be the the second smartest Irish person in this space. But as the smartest Irish person in this space has been reiterating Margaret Whelan, um, she keeps reminding everybody, you know, that you you marry the house and you date the race, you know, so you. You know, you will lock in at this rate and then you'll go in and you'll refi at a different rate when you can or you'll you'll make things work. And that's that's what we're seeing. But I think what's important to realize is when we talk about a return to normal and yes, that's going to freak people out. And definitely we're we're very irresponsible. The media will will pounce on things because it's easier to get clicks than to actually be nuanced because again who wants to read a new nuanced article about anything it's like yeah it could be a bit of this and it could be a bit of that but who knows you know far better to just you know take a, a definitive line but i'll give you my own personal example we we um put our home on the market just because the, the prices were insane uh, we just couldn't justify not uh, looking at, at that and you know we we're going to you know explore doing something else we weren't you know, we weren't planning on buying something else anyway. So we were just going to sort of take ourselves out of the market for a little bit. We put the house on the market on Friday. We got an offer on Saturday, more than we um, listed it for. And it sold. Um, the appraisal came back fine. They, the mortgage rate didn't spook them and they, they purchased it. That's not normal. It is not normal for a home to sell in one day. It is not normal for builders to sell out their new allotments of, of lots and homes within one weekend. And think about how detrimental that is to Charlotte. If you're, you know, which is where I'm, which is where we're, we're headquartered. If you're a young professional moving to Charlotte and homes are snapping up in a day or two, how are you supposed to find a place to live? How are you supposed to be able to attract really good workers if they can't find, you know, a place to buy and they also can't find a place to rent or they don't want to be in an apartment, but bill for rent communities are not yet at, you know, despite what the Wall Street Journal may, may tell you, they're not yet you know ubiquitous enough to be you know a real option for people. So that's not healthy. And I think the you know 
the inventory that we have across the country will tell you the story. And it's all about something I will keep hammering on, which is just the narrative when you use 2021 as a benchmark. So for example, there's a um, really good blog called Calculated Risk. And um, a couple of, uh, a week or so ago, they were talking about inventory. And it's all about how you measure it. So compared to 2021, there is 20% more inventory in the market today than there was a year ago. And that's, that's worth considering. However, compared to 2020, there's 30% less. And compared to 2019, which is when we think is a normal, healthy market, there's 55% less inventory today than there was in 2019. Now, in 2019, nobody was talking about an oversupply of houses, because there clearly wasn't, and nobody was talking about the end of, of housing. And yet we had, you know, basically, you know, almost double the amount of inventory available that we have now. But you know what was nice about 2019? You could buy a home. You could find a home. You could look and and you know actually do inspections, and you aren't being forced to buy something, and um, without doing a property inspection or buy something, you know, for more than the asking price because you know you have to you know you have to calculate how much more than they're asking for do I have to offer to beat out everybody else? It's not normal. It's not healthy, and I'm not going to be sad to see the back of that. No, very true. Uh, same sentiment from my end. It's. Uh, time for some normalization there. You, you mentioned one thing you wanted to come back to, and that it, escapes me a little bit. Was it um, just the pace of building? No. So what we have is we have more homes under construction than any time before. Now, let me preface by saying that that is true. We do have well, we do have an uptick in starts, and we do have a um, uh, you know definitely the builders have been trying to um, you know meet the demand and and get somewhat ahead of it. There's two very important things to understand that is nuance that is that is missed. First of all, the time it's taking to build a home has has extended. Now I'm going to use because I'm a I'm a I'm a word guy, not a numbers guy. So I'm going to use a very simple understanding. Anyone who's in the building industry who's listening to this will be screaming that I'm, you know, both underestimating and overestimating how long things take and it's not this clean cut. But let's just pretend it is, right? Let's say that it used to take five months to build a home. And let's say that today it now takes 10 months. And it is close to double. Um, it's not exactly double, but it's close to double, right? So what does that mean? Well, in that scenario, you will automatically have twice as many homes under construction than you had just a year ago without any increase in supply, right? So if you used to have over a five-month period, you had... 2,000 homes under construction. Now over a 10-month period, you have 4,000 homes under construction. So is it accurate to say that we have more homes under construction than ever? Yes. But does that actually tell you how we are from a supply perspective? No, it doesn't. You're, you're deliberately or, or more likely um, ignorantly um, parroting something that doesn't have any true value. But the, here's the second important fact, again, that gets left out. And this is where my space, my industry is useful. Um, the, we don't have enough land. We don't have enough finished lots. The lots that are being built on in 2021 were lots that the builders were expecting to build in 2022. In 22, they're cannibalizing 23 and 24. Um, here's a true fact. And again, we're going to be... Uh, broadcasting um, loudly and encouraging others in our spaces to also be sharing this. Since the Fed rate hike kicked in, in in May, 
our builders have taken between 22 to 37% more lots than they're contracted to take. For example, in Greenville, where you're, you guys are based, I won't mention the, the developer or the, or the public builder, um, but they were contracted to take 30 lots. The Fed had just raised uh, rates by three quarters of a percent. You know, as, as optimistic as I am, you're still, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? You know, they're supposed to take these lots. Are they going to take them? We were worried about whether or not they were going to take 30. Were they going to push them out? So we're looking and waiting for them to come back. They took 47. They took more than 50% above what they were contracted to take. That tells us something. And it should tell us that, you know, two things. One, that demand is still there. But also understand from my perspective, what that's also telling me is they're building lots today that they had planned on building a quarter or two quarters into the future. So where are they going to find the lots to actually meet the demand or, or increase the supply? And that's sort of where we, we come in. But that's why when people say we've got more homes under construction, yes, we definitely have seen an uptick in supply. But we also know that we have not really seen a corresponding uptick in finished lots coming to market. Um, so what that tells us is that the builders are making hay now, um, but that they still are unable to um, oversupply the market. And that's really the only thing that keeps me up at night is, are, you know, is the market going to get oversupplied? Because if that happens, as in 07, 08, you know, that's not an easy fix. No, not at all. And on that note, we'll end on kind of a happy-ish note. And then we'll start uh, next week when I chat with you, oversupply. I'm going to jot that down so I don't forget. We'll get into the the choppy waters there. Uh, John Curry, CEO of Satanta. Thank you so much for joining me, my friend. And we'll have you back next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Dalton. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry, bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team. And that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.